what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello, and welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents and for ourselves. I'm Frances Hall, and I'm here with my co-host for this podcast, Tina Miller, Director of Area Agency on Aging in Hickory, North Carolina. Hi, Tina. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad you're here. My journey as an adult child caregiver recently ended, and Tina works with lots of caregivers professionally. However, there are an estimated 10 million adults in the United States and many more millions worldwide who are caring for aging parents and for themselves. In this session, we will be talking about Medicare and SHIP, Seniors Health Insurance Information Program. While many of you may be interested in the information for an aging parent or other loved one, I suspect there may be quite a few of you who will be interested in learning more about the programs for your own lives. Sometimes it seems so confusing. How do we make sure we know what we need to know? How do we wade through the seemingly volumes of confusing information? How do Medicare and SHIP work? And what exactly is SHIP? These are just some of the questions we will be chatting about in this segment of the Caregiver Community. Our guest today is Catherine Fannin. Catherine is the Western Regional Manager of the North Carolina Department of Insurance Seniors Health Insurance Information Program, SHIP. That's a lot, Catherine. (laughs) How are you this morning? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted that you're here. Catherine has been with the North Carolina Department of Insurance as the Western Area Manager for SHIP since 2013. In that role, she provides ongoing education and training for approximately 200 SHIP volunteers in the 24 counties in the western part of the state. She also supports the SHIP coordinators in each county by providing technical assistance and helping with beneficiary counseling as needed. In addition, she provides community outreach and speaks to community groups about Medicare. Good gracious, you have a lot on your plate. We're delighted you're here, Catherine, and thank you for for being willing to give so much of so much of your time and information. Okay, everyone talks about how confusing Medicare is. While we all probably think we have a pretty good idea of what it is, let's make sure we really have a correct understanding. What is Medicare and who is eligible to receive it, Catherine? That's actually a really good question. Um, Medicare is a federal program. It's a federal health insurance program. And it covers folks who are 65 and older. And it also covers those who are under 65 if they have um, qualified through the Social Security Administration for Social Security Disability Insurance. Okay. And once they have been receiving SSDI, Social Security Disability Insurance, for 24 months, they become eligible for Medicare. So it's it's two groups of people, those who are 65 and older and those who are under 65 um, with a qualifying disability with Social Security. Okay, so it certainly is not automatic. Is it automatic no. even for 65 or older? That's, or is that a little that's, question? <laughs> that's a trick question. 
Um, you become eligible for Medicare at age 65 under most circumstances. Your enrollment is not necessarily automatic, however. Okay, we'll talk about that in, yes. in a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but if you are 65 and you have paid um, Social Security and Medicare taxes, you are eligible usually for premium-free Part A, and then you can also enroll in Part B, and there's a premium for that. Um, if you have not paid in 40 quarters, then you can enroll, but you will be required to pay a premium for Part A. Okay. Okay. And I know we'll get into more of that. Let's let's go for a moment. Um, what does Medicare cover, and how does it work? And are there any differences, because our listeners are all over the country and all over the world, literally. Are there some differences in Medicare depending on the state you're in? That should be an easy question. Um, should be. It should be an easy question. <laughs> and Medicare actually works all over the United States. So it is, it is a... It, it covers the entire United States. So if you are um, living in any of the 50 states, um, Medicare also works in U.S. territories. Um, so if you're a U.S. citizen living in the United States and you've paid in to Social Security and Medicare, you can be eligible to sign up for Medicare. So, and, that, and Medicare is Medicare because it's a federal benefit. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. If you are living outside of the United States, Medicare does not work outside of the United States. Okay. okay. So if you are living or working in a foreign country, you do not have Medicare coverage. But if you're in a U.S. territory, you do? You do. Okay. 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 Good enough. All right. So tell me a little bit more about how I enroll in Medicare. What, what do I need to enroll? When do I enroll? What happens if I don't enroll? All excellent questions. Um, If you're turning 65, you have a seven-month initial enrollment period that begins three months prior to your 65th birthday. Then you have the month of your 65th birthday and then three months following your 65th birthday. So you've got seven months of initial enrollment. If you are already drawing a Social Security check, so you're receiving either SSDI because you're on disability or you're drawing a Social Social Security retirement check, you will be automatically enrolled. So you don't have to do anything. So if Social Security is sending you a check every month, about three months before your um, effective date for your Medicare, you will receive your Medicare card in the mail with a, uh, with a little booklet with some instructions in it, and it will have you enrolled in Part A and Part B, which is hospital and medical insurance. You will be billed for your Part B premium, and usually if you are taking, if you're drawing a check, they will take that out of your Social Security check, so you really don't have to think about it. They're going to they're gonna take that deduction. If there's a reason that you don't need Part B, you have the option of um, delaying your enrollment in that, and we can talk about what the reasons for that would be later. So how do I enroll? Where do I go? Who do I call? You call the Social Security Administration. um, And because they do all of the enrollments, so you contact Social Security either on their website or on their toll-free number, or you can find your local office and um, make an appointment and go see them at their, their local office. If you are not drawing a check, you will need to take some action to get enrolled, and you do. You have that entire seven-month window to, to do that, and you should do that 
three months prior to your 65th birthday, the month of or three months after. Okay. And what happens if I don't enroll on time? What happens? If you don't enroll on time, there's the potential to pay penalties for late enrollment. So after that seven months has gone by and you go, darn, I forgot to sign up. You have to wait until general enrollment. General enrollment is every single year, January 1st through March 31st. Okay. And that's your opportunity. You would contact Social Security again and um, sign up during general enrollment. You've got those three full months to do it. But anything that you sign up for, uh, Part A, Part B, it will not begin until July 1st. So there's a delay there. And the late enrollment penalty for Part B is 10% of the Part B premium Mm -hmm. added to your monthly premium for the rest of the time that you're on Medicare. So if you're a year late enrolling, then it would be a 10% penalty. And that 10% is added to your monthly premium every month. If you're two years late, it's a 20% penalty, and that's a lifetime penalty. (laughs) Well, it sounds like that penalty is something I'd like to avoid. So I've got a few years till I'm 65, so I'm going to go ahead and put it on my calendar right now as a reminder to go sign up before my 65th birthday for Medicare. No joke. No joke. Let me ask this. Mm -hmm. Um, My mother was one of these very odd people that did not pay into Social Security Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Um, she was working with the federal government and had to make a choice whether to do Social Security or an annuity. So at the age of 96, we were still getting questions about, now, you do have Medicare, right? And she didn't. But let me understand, had she decided that she wanted to have Medicare, even though she was not getting Social Security, she could have purchased Medicare benefits, is that correct? Is that what I'm understanding? Possibly. Okay. She would have paid a premium for Part A, um, and based on having not not having the qualifying quarters right. that she needed, and then she could have paid for Part B, too. But if she had insurance through a federal retirement plan, right. then it might not have been necessary and there's no way for me to know, you know, without looking at, at individual circumstances, but it is possible that you can you know, buy in to Medicare. But because she didn't have a Social Security check for that premium to be deducted, then they would have billed her quarterly for that Part B premium, and she would have sent a check in to Social Security. And as a matter of fact, for folks who are not drawing Social Security, They're waiting, um, like, we will not draw, because of our age, we will not draw full Social Security benefit until 67, for example. But at 65, we're still required to sign up for Medicare. We may not need to sign up for Part B if we are still working. But if I am retired at age 65 and I am choosing to not draw my Social Security retirement check, I will need to sign up for Medicare, and Medicare will bill me for the Part B premium. And if I fail to pay that in pre- that premium, my Part B would, um, would lapse. That's really good information, because that's going to apply to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. and that is one of the <clears throat> one of the reasons. I wouldn't say it's the primary reason, but that's one of the reasons why in North Carolina we do Medicare 101 or new to Medicare classes so that we can um, get groups of people together to talk about this is Medicare, this is what it does, this is how it works, this is what you need to do. I was going to mention that. Our senior centers always offer those new to Medicare classes, and we have so many folks that are turning 65 every day now. Um, So we have so many people that come and take advantage of that just to learn because it's complicated. I'm confused Uh, already. (laughs) And I have a couple of years, but where do I sign up? (laughs) I'll be talking to you, Tina. There you go. Now, is that are those classes sort of universal? That how would people in other states or even other areas of North Carolina, how would they find out about those classes? Now, I don't know what other states do about new to Medicare classes. I do, however, know that every state has access to a, a SHIP program. It might be called something different, but it will be um, a state health insurance program. And if you go to medicare.gov, there will be um, a, blo- a drop-down menu on the, the top. There's a menu bar along the top, and it says, um, find help in my area. And on that drop-down menu, you choose your state and click go, and it will give you the contact information for the um, state health insurance information program for whatever state for you live area. in. Yes. And, and then from there, you can usually get directly to that organization's website and find out locally. Um, I know in Florida, the program is called Shine. In Ohio, it's called O-SHIP. <laughs> um, O-SHIP. <laughs> in um, Kansas, I believe it's Kansas, it's SHIC. Oh um, so all of those acronyms get the same you know, information yeah, across right. about how right. it's the state health information program um, for, for Medicare information. So let's just be real clear, Medicare.gov, and they need to look for state insurance program? And it will be find help in my state. Okay. Um, and then you can click on that, and there's a drop-down menu, and you click your state or territory because it includes those the contact information for territories too. Good, good to know. Good to know. Okay, um, moving right along. This is so much good information. What if I have insurance from an employer or a union, or what if I am a veteran and have VA health coverage? How does that all work with Medicare? Now, Medicare can coordinate with other kinds of insurance. It does not coordinate with everything. So, and it depends on whether or not you are working and covered by an employer group health plan, if you are retired, whether or not you have retired before 65 or you're already 65. So, let's start with I'm turning 65, I'm covered by an employer group health plan, and I'm going to continue to work. So, If you're going to continue to work, you're turning 65, we usually encourage people to go ahead and sign up for Part A because for most folks, Part A is premium free. But if you are working full-time and the organization that you work for has 20 or more employees, your employer group health plan is going to be primary insurance. Medicare is going to pay secondary. So there's not a reason to sign up for Part B. So you can, when you sign up, sign up just for Part A, delay enrollment in Part B because you are still working, 
And then when you retire and your employer group health plan is going to either drop away because they don't carry insurance after retirement or it's going to become secondary insurance, at that time you would sign up for Part B. So you'll have a different effective date for Part A and Part B. Then you would start paying the Part B premium and there would not be a penalty because you had creditable coverage from an employer. And as long as you had, as your organization has 20 or more employees and that's your primary insurance, you're not accruing a penalty. Okay. So, okay. so that would be one situation. If you have retired before age 65 and you have an employer plan that is your primary insurance in retirement, when you turn 65, Medicare becomes primary, your employer plan becomes secondary. So you would need to sign up for both A and B. And again, talk about the difference in Part A and Part B. Okay. Um, Original Medicare has two parts. If you've ever looked at that red, white, and blue card, Part A is hospital insurance. Part B is medical insurance. So Part A is only going to cover a person if they are actually admitted to a hospital as an inpatient. That requires a doctor's order. If there is no doctor's order and they are not listed as an inpatient, then Part A is not going to pay. Part B is, is medical insurance, which would include physician services, outpatient treatment and procedures, durable medical equipment, preventive and wellness benefits, all of those kinds of things. A lot of people use their Part B pretty heavily. Sure, sure. What about emergency room? Emergency room would be Part B. Part B, okay. Because you are not admitted as an inpatient right. to the hospital. Right, okay. Okay. But then if they admit you, then it switches over, I guess, to A, right? And then at some point it would be Part A. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Tell us about, there's other parts to Medicare. So what about C and D and all the other parts? (laughs) Explain those and what do they cost and what do they cover? Okay. Um, It does sound a little bit like alphabet soup. It does. It's confusing. Okay. Okay, A through Z, let's go. (laughs) We don't have to go quite that far, (laughs) for which I am grateful. Um, A and B. A, like I said, is hospital. B is medical. Okay. That's what we usually refer to as original Medicare. I'm going to skip part C, and I'm going to go to part D. D is fairly easy to remember because D is prescription drug plans. Okay. So that those are um, private standalone plans that you buy from a, a company. They have to have a contract with Medicare, and it has to. And there's a list of the Medicare prescription drug plans in each state. Um, so they have to have Medicare approval, but all they do is cover prescription drugs. So it, it works when you um, get a prescription from your doctor and you go to the pharmacy and you um, use that card for prescription drugs. In general, Medicare, original Medicare, does not cover prescription drugs. So you have to have that Part D plan to go along with it. Correct. Okay. You, need a, you need a drug plan. It is considered um, 
voluntary. You don't have to sign up for one. However, <laughs> if you choose not to get one when you, during that initial enrollment period when you turn 65, you've got the, the same period of time that I already mentioned, that seven-month window to, to sign up for your drug plan. If you choose not to because I'm not taking any drugs, I don't want to pay that premium. Right. You can sign up late. However, you have to do it during the annual open enrollment period, which is October 15th through December the 7th every year. And then the benefit would begin on January 1st of the following year. And there is a late enrollment penalty. The late enrollment penalty is 1% of the national average premium, which is about $33. It fluctuates a little bit, but it's about $33. Per month. Per month, correct. So it's 1% of that premium per month that you are late enrolling added to your monthly premium. So if you pick a prescription drug plan that is $20 a month, you're going to pay that $20 premium and then added to that monthly premium will be a 1% penalty for each month that you were late enrolling. So if you were 12 months late enrolling, it's a 12% penalty. Two years, it's a 24% penalty. So depending on how long you go, that could be a substantial penalty. And 1% of $33 isn't a lot. Until you add it up for years and years and years. Until you look at someone who um, maybe should have signed up in um, 2006 when the drug plan started, and they didn't. So they're looking at a substantial penalty. So it sounds like when you turn 65, it's it's to your benefit to go ahead and sign up for a Part D plan. Whether you think you need it right then or not, the chances are you, you know, you're going to need it in the future because you're going to take, I mean, we know that typically you take more and more medication as you age and have more illnesses and, and chronic conditions that uh, require that. It's, it's up to the individual. Our goal at SHIP is to make sure that every beneficiary understands the consequences of whatever decision that they make. If you want prescription drug coverage, these are the ways to get it. If you choose not to, um, there could be some good reasons to not sign up for a Medicare drug plan. One would be because you have an employer group health plan or a retiree Mm -hmm. plan that covers prescription drugs. And so if you have creditable coverage from another source, then you don't need. What Medicare. about like the VA? If you had VA coverage for your perfect question. Okay. Um, for the VA, if they are participating in the VA healthcare system, the drug benefit that they get is considered creditable drug coverage. So someone who is enrolled with the VA could skip enrolling in a Medicare drug plan, and if he or she decided that the, that they needed one later they would not accrue that Part D penalty. Well, that's great. However. Okay. uh (laughs) I spoke too soon. (laughs) However, um, and you're going to learn in the next 30 minutes that every time I say however, there's usually a big thing involved. With the VA, that is a health care system, not a health insurance. So someone who's getting all of their health care from the VA may ask the question, well, if I'm getting all of my health services through the VA, why do I need to sign up for Medicare? 
the first thing I would say is, well, Part A is generally premium-free. So if you have premium-free Part A, Take it. there's no downside to sure. signing up for that. Absolutely. Part B, there could be a downside because VA being enrolled in the VA does not protect you from the late enrollment penalty for Part B medical insurance. Mm-hmm. And that's B as in boy. B as in okay. boy, mm-hmm. correct. So if, if someone with VA chooses not to enroll in Part B of Medicare because they don't think they're going to use it, that is their prerogative. If they discover that they need it later because they need services outside of the VA healthcare system, they have to wait until general enrollment and they could be subject to the penalty. Well, I know my father-in-law decided he's a veteran and gets his benefits, you know, goes to the VA for his treatment. But he decided later to pick up Part B because he had a doctor's office very close to his house. And when you're sick and you want to see somebody very quickly, he found that that was much more beneficial to him than having to try to get an appointment and and then drive, you know, to the VA. It wasn't convenient for him. So he did later pick up. I don't know if he had a penalty or not, but I know he, he has both. Mm-hmm. So a veteran could have both without any problem, without any question. That's correct because they do not coordinate with one another. They are completely separate. Okay. Okay. And it just gives more options like your father-in-law team. Right. Correct. Now, let me ask you another question about the Part D, the prescription drug. Am I right that every year um, folks really should look at their prescription drug company, their plan that they have, and reevaluate that? Or once you get a plan, is that your plan for life? We encourage people very, very strongly to evaluate those prescription drug plans every single year during open enrollment because they are, they are private plans okay. sold by private companies, and there are changes to those plans every single year. The list of um, drugs that they cover, the formulary for the plan can change. The premiums will change. The deductibles will change. Um, sometimes the network of pharmacies will change for a plan. And all of that can affect how much a prescription is going to cost for an individual. So we would we encourage people to really look at that October 15th through December 7th. Okay. And because that's that's your chance every single year to look at that drug plan, make sure it's still going to cover the drugs, see if there's anything that's going to be a little bit less expensive. We're really concerned, of course, about if there's a prescription that drops off the formulary and all of a sudden is not covered. Is not covered. Wow. Because if, if you're on a prescription and it is not included on the drug plan formulary, you pay 100% of the cost of that drug. You get. And some of those are super expensive. Yeah, some of them sure, can be very, sure. very expensive. So you say they need to look at their coverage. How does, how does a person go about looking at their coverage? How in the world do you decide what plan is best for you? There is a terrific tool in place to help make those decisions. And you go to medicare.gov, okay. and there's a green button near the top of the page that says find health and drug plans, and you click that. And you follow the instructions. Okay. If you do a personalized search, it's going to ask for your last name, Medicare number, effective date for part um, A or B, um, and zip code, uh, date of birth. And you put in your list of prescriptions, and it will run a comparison for you. There's a little bit more oh, that's to good. it than that. Now, mm-hmm. for someone who is comfortable on the Internet, that is not going to be particularly tricky okay. to get in there and look at it. 
It's not, it's not a secret. But for, for people who are not computer savvy. Or don't have access to a computer okay. or look at it and, and are overwhelmed by the information because there is a lot of information. Right. That's where SHIP can be helpful. Okay. So, and tell us what SHIP is. Yes. SHIP in North Carolina, SHIP stands for Seniors Health Insurance Information Program. So we're SHIP with two I's, S-H-I-I-P. And the program could be called something a little different in other states. But there is some kind of Medicare counseling in every state. So regardless of where you are in the country, you, you can get individual Medicare counseling, which is terrific. I think that's one of the best things that's available to folks. And is that free? It is. It is absolutely free. We do have a call center in North Carolina that is staffed 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. Our toll-free number is 855-408-1212. Um, and that gets the entire Department of Insurance. You have to choose your language when the phone system picks up, and then Medicare counseling is your first choice. So just follow the prompts, and you'll you'll get to our call center. Um, and that's... And that, you actually speak to a live person? You talk to an actual... <laughs> a real person, <laughs> okay. You talk, you talk to a real person that is extremely knowledgeable. Our call center staff, this is what they do. They answer Medicare questions okay. 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, except on holidays. Right. So, and, and I know in North Carolina, our senior centers are a great resource as well for local right. assistance that people can go by their senior center or call them and they'll direct them as well. And, and they have volunteers there and uh, can set them up with counseling and, and provide help as well. Cause it's so confusing. I, you know, it's, it, it truly, you is. need help. I think everybody needs some help trying to understand the ins and outs of Medicare. Right. Right. So through senior centers or in the community, there are ships counselors, right? That's correct. And their role is simply to help people navigate, understand what is available, what matches, what would be the best fit for them. Is that correct? For the most part. I, I, just a couple of things to, that I want to clarify about the role of the our, our SHIP counselors. In many counties, they are at the senior center. We have some other places also that we have coordinating sites. Um, the senior center is a good place to start if you know where your senior center is. Our website, the SHIP website, has a list of all of the county coordinating sites. And that's the important thing is every single county in North Carolina does have a SHIP coordinating site where you can schedule an appointment and have a one-on-one counseling appointment with a trained volunteer. And I think that's really important for people to understand. Absolutely. They have access to in-person assistance. And what about other states? Other states should also have in-person counseling assistance. Um, where their coordinating sites and counseling locations are will vary by state. And they can go to that Medicare and website they can go to, to the find Medicare, help. And, okay. and they okay. can go to Medicare.gov, choose their state, Go to the website for the state organization, and there they would should be able to find the contact information okay. for uh, because calling the toll free number for their state organization. This works in North Carolina too. If you call this our our state toll free number, the eight five five four zero eight twelve twelve, they can give you the contact information for your county, and and we do that all the time. Connect them with a local person. So each state should be able to to 
connect them with someone that they can see in person. As far as the information that we provide, we provide unbiased Medicare counseling information. So we can provide facts. This is Medicare. This is what it does. This is how you enroll. We cannot tell you what's best for you. You don't give advice. We cannot give you (laughs) advice. It's probably a better. (laughs) Uh, We can't give you advice because we don't know what any individual circumstances are. Um, The more information you can provide about additional coverage, um, if you've got an employer or union plan, if you don't know what kind of plan that is, bring the card. Um, Before your appointment, call your human resources officer and ask for some information um, or a description of the plan so that you can bring that with. If you cover dependents, um, Medicare's individual insurance, so you can't add people to your Medicare. Mm-hmm. It's individual insurance, and you can't carry dependents on, on your Medicare policy. Um, so there are questions like that. We're going to have to refer you to a different division within the Department of Insurance for other health insurance questions because we specialize specifically in Medicare. This is such great information. Is there anything Medicare doesn't cover? Medicare does not cover residents in a long-term care facility. So if you, um, if you or a loved one needs residential skilled nursing care. So like a nursing home. Nursing home. Okay. Um, nursing home, assisted living, any custodial care. Medicare does not cover that. Medicare does not cover like chore services or homemaker services, which are extremely helpful, but those are not skilled services. Um, Medicare typically will cover uh, medically necessary skilled services, inpatient hospital care, um, outpatient procedures, doctor's visits. They, it does also cover some preventive care and wellness benefits which I think are like flu shots and um, screening, cancer screening services, um, an annual wellness visit. Now, they will sometimes cover like rehab if you had to go to a, a nursing facility like after a knee replacement or something like that. Oh, sometimes. yes. Okay. So yes. Not, not long-term stays in a nursing home, right. but sometimes short-term, short-term stays might be covered. Correct. Okay. Um, Medicare will cover a skilled nursing rehab stay after a three-day inpatient hospital stay. Okay. Inpatient, inpatient. (laughs) I was going to ask about that. And that does not include they were there for three days under observation. That is correct. There's been a lot of discussion about that. I know that's a hot topic right now. It is a hot topic. And actually, beginning um, on March the 8th, there's a new um, notice that hospitals and um, critical care facilities are required to use called the Medicare Outpatient Observation Notice, or MOON, Moon. notice. Moon. <laughs> oh, they love the acronyms. Don't yes, they do. <laughs> um, so the, the Medicare Outpatient Observation Notice requires that for a person who has been at the hospital for 24 hours, Within 36 hours of their arrival, so there's that 12-hour window between 24 and 36 hours, that they have to be given a copy of this Medicare outpatient 
um, observation notice. It has to be explained to them and given to them in writing, saying that they are there as an outpatient under observation and what that means. And it means that Part A is not covering their services, their Part B expenses, so they'll be obligated to pay the Part B deductible and 20% coinsurance for the services that they receive while they're there. Wow. That could add up. And it could, it could add up, you know, depending on, on what's happening with them while they're there. But it doesn't count for those three days of inpatient not. that's required before they go into a skilled facility. That is correct. It and so if count. they do get that, remind me again, you may have said this, so if they have those three days of inpatient in the hospital and then do have to go to a skilled facility, how long does Medicare cover that before they have to start paying for it on their own? The first 20 days... Medicare covers at 100%. Okay. Beyond that, um, days 21 through 100, there's coinsurance. Okay. But that's, is that an absolute, a given, or is that one of those things that Medicare would have to approve they're going to rehab? Or it it has to be, having? there has to be a doctor's order. It needs okay. to be medically necessary. Right. And the, the doctor has to say that it is medically necessary. So it's not necessarily a given. It's very common. Right. Um, but there still are steps that they have to go yes. through to, to make that happen. That is correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, this is such great information. Yes. Catherine, if you had a takeaway message for caregivers that may be listening, what do you think is the most important thing for them to know and remember about Medicare? The important thing to know is there are places to get information and help. MyMedicare.gov, and because we're talking to a nationwide audience, mymedicare.gov is a way that you can set up a personal account. Okay. This is different than medicare.gov. Always start with medicare.gov and that will, you can type, there's a a block at the Mm -hmm. top where you can type in questions and it will take you to information specific to, if you want to know about home health care or inpatient care or mental health care, you can type the question in and it'll pull up links within medicare.gov. Near the bottom of that page, there is um, a, a, a link to mymedicare.gov where you can set up an account either for yourself or for a loved one, which will give you a, a, a portal where you can look at Medicare summary notices. Mm. You can look at what has been billed um, what the charges are going to be, um, whether or not something has been submitted to um, the supplement yet, if somebody has Medicare supplement coverage. So there are, there are a number of things that you can do. And I would encourage caregivers, especially long-distance caregivers, to talk to their, their parent or the person that they're providing care for to see about setting one of those up because it eliminates the need to... Um, Harness the mail. That's good information. Um, So I would encourage them to do that. Find out who in your state provides Medicare counseling. Go to Medicare.gov, click on your state, get that information. You might not need it today or tomorrow, but there could come a time. And what I most want the audience to understand Mm -hmm. is you are not by yourself. There are sources of terrific information know what they are. Can you give us that um, that toll-free number for North Carolina folks For North again? Carolina, it's 
408-1212. All right. Well, good, good information. Absolutely. Important information. I don't want to leave this. I know we're getting long, but I don't want to leave this before asking. Medicare.gov also, caregivers can find um, ratings, I believe, about nursing homes, assisted living. Help me. Um, home home care, you can find contact information for Medicare-approved providers. Um, and that's looking at the, the Medicare.gov screen. I believe it's on the left-hand side. There are places where you can look at the ratings. That's important information, especially for hospitals and nursing homes, um, to look at that information. I would encourage folks to still continue to visit oh, absolutely. Those, those facilities, talk to people, um, because it, it, it should not be the only criteria, but they have a five-star rating. They define on there what that means, how, what's the difference between a one and a, and a three and a five. So you can get some information about um, the quality based on health inspections, staffing, staff to patient ratios, staff to patient ratios, all of those kinds of things, things that are really important and but it's a snapshot. Right. It's a it's a moment in time and it's very valuable and I would certainly take advantage of that because it is right there on the Medicare web Dot gov yeah, website. That's a, that's a great source of information. A good place to start, right? Yes. If you're right. if you're trying to look at different facilities and decide which one might be the best option for you, if, right. you, if you choose to do that. And we used that with my mother-in-law, and and it truly was helpful. It just helped us reduce the places to go visit, um, and just substantiated some some initial thinking. Well, the other thing is you can put in a radius also. And you know, because you put in your zip code and it, and it gives you the list of all of the facilities that are in that area. And you might not know about all of them. Absolutely. Right. So it, it may, and it also helps you determine if you need to widen your search. Right. This is great information. Catherine, thank you so much for being with us. And Tina, thank you so much for being part of this. You bring such <laughs> such information, such wealth of information to this. And to all of you listening, thank you for listening to the caregiver community. This program is part of the MESH network of online shows and podcasts. You may learn more about the MESH and check out other programs available for free at www.themesh.com. TV. That's T-H-E-M as in mother, E-S-H, The Mesh TV. On that site, you may also send us a question or a recommendation for future show topics using the Contact Us button. We also encourage you to find us on Apple iTunes, where you may subscribe to our show, to the podcasts, and make sure you receive all future episodes sent to you automatically. You will find a link to the MESH website on our ACAP community website to subscribe. But for more information about podcasts or ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents, simply go to www.acapcommunity.com. That's A-C-A-P, Adult Children of Aging Parents, www.acapcommunity.com. Call us toll-free, 877 599 ACAP or email us at fhall at acapcommunity.com. 
thank you so very much for being with us. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.